Might know, you might know or you might not know that uh, the table that we're eating at tonight oh. is in an old Masonic lodge. You can feel the ghosts and you can feel the conversations that happened years and years and years ago. Old people with their cigars sitting around talking about truths that they found out through their hard lost Nothing's lives, changed. Which is kind of a topic tonight of uh, losing your innocence over hard one and lost efforts. And is it true that, that we have somebody here tonight? Are, are you a member of the Explorers Club? Uh, I, still, uh, I still pay my dues. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's been a while since you've been there, though. The last time you were there, I was there, and you were giving a presentation. Yeah, I did do that, oh, but so. I can remember one time seeing you at one of those fancy balls, and, and you were wearing a big medal around your neck. And, yeah. I, and I said, where did you get that? So I, I bought it. <laughs> No, that, because you <laughs> you know the difference between BS and BS. I told you the truth. Most of the people that I meet with my big medal, I say I won it because I saved somebody's life. And uh, you know, when you're wearing a tuxedo and you've and, and you've got, got the big, big, medal, big medal on red, white, and blue that it's looks impressive. like the Wizard of Oz gave it to you, uh, they're going to believe anything that happens. And and you know, you <laughs> fake it till you make it. Uh, when you were early on in your life, John, did you have to do a little bit of that starting? I mean, I'm you're still, a writer. I now. still do it every, <laughs> yeah. Well, you do it very day. well. You do it very well. It's, it's become yeah, less, less obvious, but I, it's a full-time profession. It's fascinating when you're successful at faking it till you make it, and you do make it. If you start to really believe yourself or if it yeah, continues to be that, a, a I have, game. <laughs> I haven't gone that route. No, but I, you know, I, 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 I do remember that night that we were at the Explorers Club, and I did a little song and dance. It was very fun. I had dinner, and uh, but I've been, I've been presenting there off and on over the years for quite a while. And my, my, the, the way I know the place is changing is it used to be that, you know, when you did a talk there, the, the room would would fill up pretty early with the with the elderly folks who would come in, and they would put their coats down over the chairs in the first two and three rows. Then they'd go out into the lobby and have a couple of scotch and sodas, and then they'd come back in and take their seats. And within five to ten minutes, were promptly asleep. <laughs> so you'd be standing in the front of the room addressing this room full of people, but the first two or three rows would all be nodded off. What's entirely appropriate? What I know it's changed now because, because. It's the, people are younger and they're, they're not they're not sleeping so quickly. Um, well, are you now of an age where you have those two scotches and you stand at the Diaz and sleep yourself a little bit? No, not at the Diaz, but probably <laughs> certainly in the audience. I, I give tours to third graders, and I, I remember I posted a picture of that, and your response was, is that coffee cup full of whiskey? <laughs> we have to do what we have to do to stay awake and aware as we age. Um, because it all gets kind of old, doesn't it? We say the same things over and over again. Yeah. And, they, you, we definitely say the same things over and over when 
you know, one of the things about having this conversation once a week is realizing what a bore you are. Oh, it's because awful. you're like, I said it again. Yeah, you know, like you can't is. listen to this you only, rubbish. You can remember what you said. Oh, you just have you. <laughs> you, you only have like five routines, and uh, you just repeat them over and over again. So well, if anybody's listening to you every week, they're yeah. like, "What well, is no need? Listen to one out of every five. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with right. us. Right, that's all you I have to say. Really. Not, no, you've, have, you've ruined it for the two new listeners that we have tonight. <laughs> but um, John, did you tell anybody that you were going to be on WIOX in the middle of nowhere at Catskills? Uh, well, I just left another radio station where I do a show on Sunday afternoons, and I told the program director that I was headed over here, and he knew WIOX right away. He Perfect. did? Yeah. The local, local radio guys. Right. J- Jimmy he, Buff, who used to run WDST right. for years. He's only 50 miles away as well, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I guess we, yeah. maybe we stretch just that right far. Down. No, but he immediately knew the John Burroughs connection. And Perfect. Well, um, What's the John Burroughs connection? With WIOX? Oh, with Roxbury. With Roxbury. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Woodchuck Lounge. This is the Evening Tickler with Steve Julian and John Oh, yeah, we haven't said that. Tonight, uh, this this is, for me, uh, an auspicious evening because John I've known for uh, more than a generation, and I haven't seen him in a while. And I've been writing him recently, telling him that seeing him again is on my bucket list. So I can absolutely cross this off before I kick the bucket. So thank you, John, very much. You can leave now. Um, but you haven't aged or changed a bit. You look a little more distinguished. Have, have you? Has your success started to affect you a little bit? In terms I'm just of... happy to have hair. <laughs> That's your illusion. Well done. Well done. But you, you are a silvered uh, sort of statesman now. You've reached that uh, yeah, state. About ready to retire. Yeah. You've, yeah. People li- actually listen to you and believe what you're saying now. I'm uh, not convinced they believe yeah, but, it. But, but your topics, the topics that you touch on are topics that are not silly. I mean, bomb trains, Indian Point uh, meltdown disasters, the the filth in the Hudson River, the moral decay that would let politicians frack, um, things like that. You'd really? Touch- That's what you're on all the time? That- well, yeah. I mean, I've made, you, I've well, yeah. tell lots of stories, and they all have environmental backdrops, and unfortunately most environmental stories But they're serious, yeah. Serious. Wow. But, Do you sleep at night? Well, it's in, that's a very good question. We were just, as the, on the drive over, we were kind of pondering that, that issue is how much heaviness can you, can you afford in, in, yeah. in life. Do you lose yourself in the in the heaviness? Or, um... Well, you know, I've lived here in, in, in Ulster County, not so far to the south for 30-plus years, and uh, we've made films l- literally on every continent. But I always knew, th- and m- most of the films were about the relationship between man and water, man and the ocean, and I always knew that eventually we would make, we would make films about our backyard yeah. because mm. I – Especially in, in this day and age, I, I realize you don't have to travel halfway around the world to find good story, and, cer- and not to find good adventure, and certainly mm. not to find environmental, you know, d- debacles. Right. Yeah. And the Hudson Valley is so rich in in environmental history and and natural history. I knew we would end up making films there eventually. Yeah. And we started out a few years ago making short films, and under the kind of banner of the Hudson, a river at risk, and looked at a lot of those things, Steve, that you just mentioned. The the, the 
the crude oil moving up and down the Hudson Valley by train and barge and pipeline, the fact that we have a leaky nuclear power plant on the Hudson surrounded by 20 million people. Uh, you know, the biggest complaint about it's India. It's so great, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, what the, a gig we got. The biggest complaint uh, about the Indian point was just it should never have been built where it was right, built. Right, right, right. Well, you know, at the Explorers Club, and I think I've said this before, one of our mottos is adventure is the byproduct of an ill-planned expedition. And there is adventure all up and down the the Hudson River and has been for hundreds of years the way it's been abused and and I guess you could call it the Is adventure it of capitalism but it's just every one of the capital adventures on the river have turned into disasters that we're trying to deal with oh they go all the way back back and yeah, back yeah. but wait is it really leaky Indian Point yeah, yeah. yeah oh they, they've, they've never transported any of their fuel out it's, and they won't and, and nor the, have they transferred any wait of where's it all go in the backyard. What do you mean? Yeah. In the basement. <laughs> They've got it right So it's there. like a Fukushima-looking thing? that are like pots of stuff well, all over the place? Well, one of their solutions is they, they – this is, this, is, this is it exposed radiation in these, in these pipes, basically. And their plan – because they're going to close Indian Point in 20, 2020 and 2021. There are two reactors still online. And they're going to close it down, and they're going to – put all of that exposed radioactivity into what they call dry casks, which is basically putting them in the cement. It's like crypt. a sarcophagus thing yeah. or whatever. But it's still live and active. And Where do they put the sarcophagus? On, on the, oh, they leave on it the right planet, where it on was. On the planet, yeah. They, because there's no one in, in, in the country that will accept nuclear waste. Right. They, they had planned to ship it all to Nevada, but to Yucca Mountain. Right. They were going to go in there. Uh, they yeah. built that whole thing, yeah? They built it, but then remember the, the Senator Harry Reid Oh, Harry Reid didn't very, want it there after they built it? did not want all that nuclear waste stored in, in, in his Man. mountain, especially when he discovered that Yucca Mountain leaked like a sieve. Oh, here. that leaks too. Yeah. Everything leaks, Everything doesn't it? Everything <laughs> leaks, and evidently there's a crack in it. I mean, look at Hawaii. You never know. Yeah, your, yeah, Your yeah, backyard yeah. is going wow, to Wow, so Indian Boy is leaking. It's just awful. You know, because when that whole trade center was thing, I mean, I don't know much about any of this stuff. When that whole trade center thing, everybody kind of glanced across at Indian Point and were like, wait. What about that thing well, over they flew, there? They flew as they flew they, over. They hijacked it. those planes. They flew right down the Hudson. <laughs> Amazing! They just like veer off a it's little. It's a target-rich yeah. environment. I mean, but all of America is a target-rich environment. I'm surprised. Yeah, but that's that. a pretty intense one. You could really set um, a conflagration going. You fly something into that ball of stuff down there. Well, yeah, or you could just drop some uranium-235 in our reservoirs. Sure, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's all well. We it's could do that. Easy, yeah, but we pass every day. But you would you have to grow your beard a heck of a lot longer know. than your second day. You're going My kids live here to uh, make that uh, terrorist look. Yeah, lookable. It's amazing. You know what? We, we, I mean, we are. I mean, obviously, there's so many things to freak out about. I mean, that's the other thing of like sleeping at night or whatever. I mean, it's this Sisyphean oh, act of pushing this rock of horror up the hill every day. About that. There's so many things to freak out about. And yet, what is the abiding principle that makes all the things that could happen uh, not happen? This is the abiding principle, and then I would like John to address this. <laughs> Wait, I, I saw know, words at the front of his I lips. Well, well, because I, I started that story by suggesting that we'd made this series of short films under the banner of uh, the Hudson River at risk, and I took them around and showed them in probably 60 stops up and down the Hudson Valley and around, and, uh, and I got bummed out. 
Well, I bummed out by yourself. The, the content, by the content, you know, you were bumming yourself out on yeah, a regular yeah, yeah. basis. So we purposely pivoted and 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 looked for some optimistic, hopeful stories. Yeah, and they're and they're there. Do you think they're balanced? Do you think that there is yeah. any good as bad? I, I, I think there Maybe is. Maybe more good. Well, is that what we're it talking about? We're talking about a principle that says like the reason one. <laughs> no, but is that what it is? Because is, what is the principle that says? No, the principle is this, that what we don't know won't hurt us. There is such a human tendency nah. to, yes, when when faced with danger, to stick your hand in a bucket of sand. No, but that is it, what John does in trying to educate and bring up awareness of something. It, it's not just entropy where there is many forces fighting against his good word. But you are you're answering a question I didn't ask. No, you asked why. why? <laughs> I'll tell you why I asked. <laughs> okay, ask. You can always tell me why I asked. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, I, I was just know. saying, like, what is the principle that may, you know, when you look at how many things could and, and potentially should go wrong, like you say, anybody could drop that into there and that could go and plane could fly into that. How, I mean, that just looks like a disaster area where you're like, well, why are we still walking around? Because it's such bad news everywhere. I mean, so what is the principle that makes it that people don't do that? I, why do, I, I, I think I answered choose. that. I you think I did answer that. You have to choose to do it. Well, you have to choose hope. You have to choose optimism. Or you have to choose to ignore it also. No, but why, know, doesn't it, but why doesn't it actually happen? Oh, why don't the disaster? Well, why, they do. Well, they, do. they do turn out absolutely. But they they, could, they should be happening all over the place. We just identified five. We could identify I, a I thousand. Could go on. Yeah, I could go so on. we could identify a thousand, and yet somehow, and is that part of the complacency about it, where we're like, oh my God, look at Fukushima. That should be this, that, and the other, and then it kind of doesn't. Well, my question always was, you know, here in New York State, we did, you know, we participated in this effort to ban fracking in, in New York, which was a, a good thing. But, you know, and then we looked around and realized that all the ancillary businesses of, of fracturing for, for natural gas were in, now in our backyard. Right. Delivery of yeah. crude oil by, from North Dakota by, by train and, and then down the river by barge and pipeline, et cetera. But, you know, it, 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 it still is, it was the, the right thing to do. Right. But it's, a, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. so where is your audience for these very topical and timely Well, issues. just focused on this kind of local backyard stuff, it's been pretty impressive, you know, in part because I think in late 2016, people f realized that they sat on their hands a bit too mm -hmm. much. People are really desperate to know or be told or to, to ask the question of what can I do, how can I help, how can I be involved? Are they? Yeah. Yeah, you so you you, you sense a sea change I in I see in the audiences we get, and we get good audiences. And it doesn't matter if it's in the fire department in, in New Baltimore, or the Explorers Club, or any of the numbers of universities or community centers. Or so why is that? Why 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 have they become galvanized to receive the information? Well, because they realized that by not participating, not being involved, they ended up with a horror show. And in, there, in, there's in, another in, component to it. John yeah. packages the message in a way that makes it real. Um, and I'm not going to say John is Meredith Wilson of the Music Man saying we've got trouble in River City, but he does that. He does such a good job with his films and his messaging that people wake up and pay attention. Well, I really I, do I, believe that's a like, very important part. And like you, I believe that media makes a difference. Yeah. It can make a difference. So. And it does make a difference. Yeah. If you just walked in with your erudite silver hair and your <laughs> extraordinary good looks and started to talk to them about the problem, it would 
probably be not as effective it's, as you pushing the button and three minute the conversation. No, I, lo I love hitting play and then standing <laughs> yeah. in the back of the room and listening. Totally. The air gets sucked out of the room. But Julian, these are the air gets sucked out of the room. The worst case scenario yeah, yeah, on yeah. all of these issues are, you know, it's the apocalypse. Yeah, but that's not the reason why people are paying attention, surely, because as we've said before, the apocalypse is not. Uh, it doesn't appear to be a galvanizing. You know, we watch the apocalypse in in well, fiction that, every day in the that, movie theaters. That, that was where I was going with the, with the ban on fracking. Is that we were successful in that one kind of short fight? And I always wonder, and I ask the people who work on these issues in regard to nuclear energy, why isn't there that same kind of hue and cry against this leaky nuclear power plant, which right. is far more right. destructive in the big picture? And what do they say? Uh, it's well it, again. Indian Point is one of 61 uh, nuclear power plants in in the country, uh, but it's the only one that's surrounded by 20 million people. Yeah, and it's just too big for people to contemplate. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's in, interesting. if you if you next time you're in the neighborhood, go right. to Buchanan, the little riverside town that the nuclear plant is in, and you'll see signs that say, you know. Uh, gather here for evacuation. Oh, I want to go. Literally, literally like the, as if they're going to drive buses up and everyone's just going to pour on. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, as we've seen with recent natural disasters, the first thing that happened when there appears to be trouble on the horizon is they shut the bridges, they shut the tunnels. I mean, people, if there were to be a, 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 an incident, mm. uh, th th no one's getting out of there. Well, we don't know. I mean, that was the amazing thing about 9-11. It, it was our first glimpse behind the curtain of like, well, what happens when the real stuff actually happens? And we were like, wow, this is a madhouse. This is not like somehow, again, that conviction that we have that there's some other layer of administration that will step in and take care of us. And ultimately, that's the message that has to be put out is that nothing can prepare you for what might happen. So try to get in front of that might happen and start to get rid of the problem. Okay, but we go back to a point. And that requires planning, and that's why I think the political connections that John No, but we go back to a point before that, because even on a cultural level, because, you know, um, we've had this conversation before, like so many movies in the movie theater have already um, prepared us for our own demise because we've got used to watching for entertainment the idea of all the buildings of New York City falling over or a giant ape rip, New ripping. New York City freezing. Yeah, or whatever, whatever it is. Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a way, saying to the general public, you know, a, a nuclear power station might create They're like, yeah, I know, I saw it in uh, Oneonta last week or whatever. So how it's interesting to me that you would feel that people are actually shocked and galvanized by the information. I would feel that they were like... Well, I think, I think nuclear power might be the outlier there. A lot of the things that we're talking about are much more or are more manageable, you know, like replacing fossil fuels right. with, with alternative right. energies and things like that. Right. So that fits more into your pocket. Or well, whatever. it's just things that people actually <laughs> but feel Julian's, like they can do. Yeah. They, can yeah. make, they can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Julian's yeah. point's very interesting that uh, the public has become trained through repetition to ignore the uh, worst case scenario. Yeah. However... Is that conspiracy? That, well, can I please finish my thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there might not be one here, but because I, I want John, John knows the answer to this maybe better than anybody. Um, with a public that has been, as Julian said, been trained to be entertained and rather than pay close attention to disaster, um, when a real disaster, as you do, is painted in front of them, do they respond differently to reality as opposed to uh, entertainment? 
or is that line blurred? Well, I think the line is blurred, and that's why there haven't. That's why there are not, you know, a hundred picketers outside yeah. of Indian Point every day. I mean, one of the reasons the fracking ban occurred was because literally there were ten to twenty people who followed Governor Cuomo around yeah. for years. Yeah. Everywhere he went, there was yeah. a they they carried yeah. arrived with their ban fracking now yeah. posters. Those people and, are amazing. And yeah, yeah. and one of the reasons I think he agreed to to the ban was because he was just exhausted with these guys following him. <laughs> right. He flew down to South Carolina to do a, make a speech at the then Democratic uh, presidential uh, uh, nominating com committee. And there they were. And there they were at the airport <laughs> waiting for him. I mean, he couldn't escape. They'd yeah. go to, uh, you know, he'd have a birthday party in Manhattan, and they'd be right outside the hotel. That's the way, isn't it? But the same thing is, doesn't happen with the nuclear power mm. issue because it's just too big. It's too big. It's too yeah. big. People cannot imagine the horror of it, and maybe yeah. they're, as you suggest, they're numbed to it by the, the mass media that we've seen. Well, I was interested about the whole Japan thing, you know, because at the time, talking to friends, and, you know, because uh, you, uh, we all saw Chernobyl and we saw all that, and then that thing happened, which they still haven't worked out no, anyway. Still, I mean, it's still this live, monstrous, seeping mass or whatever, but it just kind of retreated, and we were like, well, isn't that the worst thing that's ever happened on the planet kind of thing like sitting right there and we've all kind of retreated from it and then you glance back over at it and it's even more ridiculous now than it was the last time you looked at and it and <clears throat> what happened at fukushima is the the closest worst case scenario that could or would impact indian point as well because yeah. what it, what impacted fukushima remember was the the flooding the right ocean waves coming over the top and flooding those exposed radioactive Right. Tubes. Right. And as we saw in, which was it, Sandy or Irene, the one that, the storm that flooded the subways and shut down the lower third of Manhattan, it showed that those kinds of floods and those kinds of storms and those kinds of waters can, can, Im, Im, can and will, result. And, uh, you know, for me, well, talking to Paul, my friend who's kind of obsessed with this, because he's like, well, what, uh, the apocalypse is kind of looking, staring at us right there, and we've all just taken our eyes away. Like, this is a, this major news story or whatever. But, you know, that's going to happen again at that spot, yeah? And they've just got a bunch of plastic containers with tubes going between them or whatever, storing all of this water because they don't know where to put it. I mean, isn't it just another bomb waiting to go Wait, off? Paul, Paul, your friend Paul. Who, yeah, who yeah, yeah. Us, yeah. I think that he there comes are up like a lot, three, three levels of maturity on the end-of-life scenarios. And the first is a vague anxiety. The second is get prepared for it. And the third, which is where I think John, and certainly I'm at, in knowing that stuff lurks not far behind the curtain, is if it happens, there's no way you're ever going to prepare for this. You might as well just stand out on top of your roof and put your arms up and prepare for your shadow to be cast. Yeah, but you're making, movie, you're making movies that, 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 are, uh, that say, like, no, 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 wait. There are building blocks of something that no, we can not, do to be... Not necessarily. Oh, you know? <laughs> not necessarily, no. <laughs> oh. No, but I, 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 I didn't... I haven't quite gotten around to the response, my own response. Remember, I'd, I'd gotten bummed out by my own product. Yeah, so yeah. yeah the heaviness. We, we the heaviness of these, being... These hopeful stories, and that then does give you hope. You know? Oh, you generate your own hope. I'll well, how does that work? You're like a self-fulfilling uh, battery. Where loss uh, results in getting found that paradox how does that work well i wouldn't go quite so far as lost but but threat yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. right so uh, you're not numb you have all of this information more than we have you've got all even more reason to feel skeptical or cynical than yeah we but have. I, i'm i'm I, but I, you're I, hopeful 
Well, I'm hopeful. I, I travel with, or I work with some people who are f- super smart scientists who know, who know way too much. Mm. You know, you yeah. sit with them at a, at a train crossing, and they just tell you, well, if that thing goes off the rails, this yeah. is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and that's going to You just think, I don't want to know that. There's a point where, you, where there's too much information. So you gain something from listening to them to say, like, if they can be hopeful with everything that they know. Well, I mean, I guess my, my, my ultimate reason for hope or optimism is what are the options? You know, you, you can go chuck yourself off the Kingston Rockcliffe Bridge. That's what it is? That, that's an option, but wow. that's not... That's, you know. su- that's such an existential hope. Well, that's an uh, act of, act of well, faith. Well, no, it's a, it's a form of hollow hallelujah, uh, <laughs> if you will, or, or an old wheel. You're supposed to be helping old, us here. The, uh, no, I'm old, saying I'm not, I'm not going to go that route. No, 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 oh, I, I'm you, choosing hope. Right. Versus as an, act, yeah. off a bridge. as an act of faith. Yeah. yeah. What is uh, that Greek myth, uh, Pandora's box, where all of the evils let out except for, and, and then hope comes out of it too, yeah. which is the only salvation for all of the evils what that have hope? been set afoot. Yeah. And so you have, you're infected with hope. Well, that's just a tragic mistake because there, uh, from what well, I've heard, the there is, there's no such thing. <laughs> um, when it does happen, then you're going to be the supreme leader. Do you have your cape ready to come no, out not, with hope on it? No, I'm not leading. You're, I'm, not, I'm not leading. I'm you're running? Sitting, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, sitting happily doing? by a creek in the woods in the Catskills. Do you have kids? No. Ah. No. Yeah, what, what do you, what's that? Oh, well, just interesting because you know part of the, you know, because it plays into the hope mechanism, doesn't it? Oh, the, your legacy or no, not you your, not your legacy, just the just the, pri- the primal, uh, uh, you know, the the, 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 the perpetuation to, of the of the species, yeah. but in a way that it looks like you. I've noticed that most of the stories that happen in the apocalypse are people trying to save their families and all that happy. Uh, poop. Yeah, yeah. Um, who? who <clears throat> Who, who are we talking to tonight? We're talking to uh, a international crowd of people defined uh, through their smart devices mostly that find the evening Hitler to be not just compelling, but they leave. And they send us so many cards and letters that they leave every one of our shows better than they arrived. And so... Um, and that's just tonight. And, and then the knock-on effect of putting it on... When I, we actually I, I, promote I, John Bowermaster... Oh, my God. The... Yes, there will be a magnitude of order. You weren't really aware, were you? I had no idea. It's a new funnel that you're... you're Don't get nervous. (laughs) That you are... But the door is locked. There are people in Timbuktu right now hanging on your every word. And you know what they want? They want the jazz. They want to hear the gritty part of the story. But they also want the wisdom, you know? That is something that Julian provides wisdom. I, I provide the gritty jazz, and the two of us look towards you, John, uh, to uh, moderate and make sure the two of us don't explode. That's really the ultimate right. job. All we do is talk. Well, I'll, I'll report on it when it happens. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Um, when you see us starting to swell and, and pulsate, then call us back. Well, you know, I grew up in, 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 in fact, Steve, going back to our our generational roots, you know, I have, like you, Iowa roots, and I was actually back there recently, and, uh, you know, what I, one of the things I did in Iowa is I ran a weekly alternative newspaper, and something we started and did for a few years and, and then abandoned, um, but there was a great film made about that era of, of news weeklies, it was called Between the, it was a feature film, it was called Between the Lines, 
and it was one of my favorite films then and now. But I'm I'm convinced that somebody should be making documentaries about community radio right now. Somebody should be Why? in here with cameras. Why is that? What, what's going on here? That well, is there's something not, unique going on? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's incredible kind of outreach and, and. Well, it is interesting that we're all doing it now. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, that's like a zeitgeist thing, but. Uh, well, because it's the ability to share, and you're not just reaching this the community within the broadcast range of your radio I thought, station. I you, thought maybe it was just because we got old. Uh, and that's the kind of thing you do when you you know you knit and you do something else, and then you come on local radio. I used to think that when you got old, you taught. Uh, realize that well you are no I, I well you kind of are kind of but no yeah, you are I'm not teaching anybody anything well you don't know uh, some of those cards and letters are thanking you profusely for your um, right. abstract visionary right. uh, blah 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 John what advice do you have for the thousands of people that are listening in terms of their moral responsibilities towards making the world safe and green hmm <clears throat> Safe and green. Yeah, so better. Safe and green. In whatever yeah, way. How do they do that? Just to, uh, how they can be good. Well, I mean, I think, I think one thing we profit from today is information. You know, it's it's it, if you make choices about any kind of environmental decision you you can make in your life, it, it, it you can't say it's because of ignorance. I mean, there is so much information. We're overwhelmed about, with information. Yeah, and so. I find that to be fantastic. If I want to yeah. Google anything, you know, yeah. I can learn so much in, in, in yeah. five or ten minutes. Yeah, but you're a responsible thinking. Sure, yeah. but that can't change the rest of them. You know, The interesting thing about all of the information I find is this, that we are now with these platforms at that juncture that we as students in Psychology 101 started to learn about, which is Skinnerian behavioral uh, psychology, and then on the other side, Freudian psychology. And what the manipulators and users of information today, which has turned into a commodity, remember when you can measure and monitor something like electricity, put a meter on it or weigh it, you can charge money for it. And now behavior has finally come into that realm where it can be measured and monitored and commoditized. What we have now is the playoff of Skinnerian and Freudian psychology on these platforms where this can happen. And I'm laughing because it's so evil. If you tell somebody an untruth or anything enough, if you repeat it enough, then it develops its own reputation and truth. If you tell people that the world is flat, and if they don't believe it, there are consequences, okay? You go from Skinnerian and in repetition, if you will, to the Freudian of basically fears and anxieties where you can play into it. And we are now in this funny world where, as John said, you can go into the Google and you can find any fact in the world, and yet people are spending time getting basically bent with people that are using the media to mess with them. And that's what I find that the alter evil alter empire alter is really facts. winning alter out over facts. the good well, empire right well, now. Well, of course, if you were, if, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know what? You have something you have to tell some people. Um, you're listening to WYOX Community Radio, live and local in the Casper Mountains, half hour. and on MTC Cable Channel 20. I'm doing this very quickly yeah, 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 because I really yeah, want yeah, to yeah, get yeah, back yeah, to yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at radio.org on the web or any smart device. This is the Evening Tickler with John Bowermaster. Say that three times, click your heels, and guess what? Hello, 
I'm Robert Steed, inviting you to join me for a special edition of Uncompromising Music, a live broadcast event, the Academy of Forte Piano Performance Concert, Romance and Glamour, a 19th century piano soiree, the music of Chopin, Mozart, and Mendelssohn, all performed on 19th century instruments by Academy directors Audrey Axon, Maria Rose, and Yi Heng Yang, and featuring guest artist Swiss forte piano pianist Pierre Gua at the Doctoral Center for the Arts in the Village of Hunter and live on WIOX Community Radio, Sunday evening, May 27th at 8 o'clock. I hope you can join us. It's sure to be uncompromising. WIOX is supported by the Daily Star, a regional source for community news, commentary, shopping tips, local sports, and community events. The Daily Star's Total Access delivers the newspaper and breaking news throughout the day on any digital device. More information at thedailystar.com. WIOX is supported by Berkshire Farm Center and Services for Youth, offering information and help to individuals and families interested in foster parenting and dispelling foster care myths, including the need for a full-time long-term commitment, having to be married, or being too young to foster. Berkshire Farm Center and Services for Youth, changing lives, creating futures since 1886. Learn more about foster care at 844-427-5747 or berkshirefarm.org. There's this song that was on Prairie Home Companion that goes, um, the, the days are you should be short you and the <laughs> nights are long so why do we work so hard to get what we don't even want another thing that john does and i watched his film on this earlier today is he talks to actually real people uh, native americans that uh, practice native american ritual and belief systems that are tied to believe it or not real organic belief and practice and what I found, John, in this to be fascinating and sad is the Native Americans that you filmed believe in, in a matter of faith, which we don't have much left in the world, that if you use song to bring in um, the beginning of a season, if you sing to your seeds, and for those of you that are farmers, you know there is some magic there, that it will not only make the seed aware, but it will make you, through the awareness of singing, uh, part of this magical partnership. Now, I, the reason that it depressed me a bit is that that relationship in, in the seeming magic of singing a seed awake in the spring is poo-pooed. Uh, not practiced or believed in because it is a matter of faith, isn't it? And, and, and culture. Faith is, and, yeah, culture. and culture, which, which is uh, when you are born into a story, then it's highly likely that as you evolve, you're going to find reason to continue to make it more powerful. And there's so little of that anymore. Well, there are a fair amount of, of people in this country that still show up uh, once a month on Sundays and, and, and eat a biscuit and take a yeah. glass of grape juice and yeah, they do that, don't they? To body and blood of so bonkers. Yeah, yeah, there's well, it's not bonkers; it's fake. No, it's fake, but it's a different um, kind of cultural yeah. belief. Right. Um, right. But uh, it could be bonkers for you in terms of the idea that you always have of uh, people believing there's a. No, nah, I don't mean it's bonkers. I'm being, I'm being facetious. But uh, the 
the work that John did on these Hudson Valley Indian tribes that still practice and believe that our connection to a season and an event is sacred and that you can, by practicing a creation myth, be participating in something that connects you to the real deep well, you mysteries. Should, you should come south uh, on Wednesday yeah. of this week because yeah. this is a uh, – you gave the ethereal version. I'll give the nuts and bolts version. Mm. This is a, uh, a teaching farm in, in Ulster County, 1,250-acre teaching farm, which for a century grew sweet corn, mm. basically. And it has a new owner, and, and they've changed practices, and they're growing new crops and uh, and teaching what they who a group of young youngish farmers who they call their pro farmers uh, new new farming skills so they can take them back to where they, they where they live across the country. But as part of that project, they invited uh, the Aquasasne Indians who now live on the on the in Saint Regis up on the Canadian border to donate basically some of their traditional seeds which some of which were nearly extinct mm -hmm. they had a they had a red corn that was down to two ears of corn and and mm -hmm. by volunteering to to grow this in this much more fertile land in the hudson valley i think last year they grew 1600 pounds of this corn which had been reduced to, to two ears and what steve's referring to is they at each season and we filmed this they would come and bless the the their their small plots basically where they were growing the the, the three sisters and and yeah. this red corn uh, and they sang and they danced the irony of course is they talk a lot in the film about singing and dancing but they wouldn't let us film it yeah. a lot of it because to them it was, right, it was right, right. sacred which we appreciated but from a filmmaking perspective it was yeah, a bit of a drag because that's the part we wanted you, you can know? reenact it with uh, <laughs> yeah. julian and i we yeah. will dress up in yeah yeah it's, a, it's some, the same thing really it's <laughs> the same thing yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah the film is called seeds of hope and it, it, it's about this partnership between the, the these native americans and these seed growers from across the country and this farm in, in ulster county <laughs> and we screened it for the first time at a, at a beautiful uh, venue in uh, kingston called the senate garage which used to be at one of the which was one of the first Senate office buildings in, in New York State, and we had a big crowd, 250 people or something. And I and, and we we hadn't shown it to anyone. And the uh, the, the Native Americans came down from the border where they're living up in in, in land where they cannot grow anything. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, this is where they've been pushed, yeah, like Bovina. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> well, they but you know, they, they, the Hudson Valley used to be their home, which is in this particular mm. stretch is extremely fertile. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I was standing in the back of the room, and, and and there was a panelist of the Native Americans, and there was this crowd. And all of a sudden, everyone on the panel is weeping, and everyone is in the room is weeping. And I kind of lost track. And But what it was was they weren't crying because of hope. They were crying because of loss. Yeah. yeah. Because this Tragic. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Really tragic. Yeah. It was. It was all all right. But, but wait. Have you always been this, um, like, decent and and – I don't know, ask Steve. But you know what I mean? I mean... Is, well, let's ask John. If, yeah. If you started because to Because everything that you said is... Uh, yes. I mean, obviously, this is what you do all day, yeah? And and then you think about it at night, and you said, like, I shouldn't be able to sleep at night. I have too much information or whatever. There's so much... That I can, yeah, that's I, so I, much decency I in one... I sleep okay, though. I sleep okay. Yeah, but that's not what I'm asking. Well, <laughs> what he's asking is this, that we get into our 
our profession found out by certain gifts we have. And you you started off, I believe, is, is discovering you had a great curiosity and a talent to write. And you needed three things, as everybody does. And I've, I, today I asked several people what are those three things. And, and the, it is money, power, and sex. And when we're young particularly, that's we want to use whatever we have to get that. And as I'm sure you did and as I did, okay, because we've known each other for a long time. But then we mature out of it. And, I, and the question's good. Um, we start to understand through what we're doing that it's a message that's worthy. And, and it shapes us. And it, we walk through the refiner's fire and, 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 and we, the, the silliness goes away and we're left with... Wait, but what's the answer? Well, well yeah. but I, 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 when I filled out the questionnaire at, uh, at university about what do you want to be when you grow up, when I was 17 or 18 years old, I said a sports reporter. Because <laughs> I thought, what well, could be better? Uh, well, that's how, how far yeah, you, yeah, go yeah. To, you go to the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. you get a beer and a hot dog. And uh, I, I rest my case. I, I tried it at the uh, at the Des Moines Register yeah. of all places, and uh, I discovered that it was so boring that I couldn't do that for right. life. Yeah, no, but you've arrived at this decent. I'm not even talking about doing it as a career. I'm just talking about being yeah, about about humanity. dealing with every presumably every coffee table that you look at in your life. Has something else about decency on it, yeah? Has a yeah. I think yeah, part part of it's I mean, based on on traveling. But that's what you trade in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ha- having seen a fair amount of the world, it gives you a perspective that then, when you look at that coffee table or the headlines, you 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 you, you come at it with a. Is there a re- are you redeeming anything by being this decent? At this <laughs> no, point? I'm not sure if I'm going to agree with the decency. Part, but what you, you sound incredibly decent, and ever and your anecdote. I'm on the radio. Ah, no, no, no. Uh, ah. There are there are three things that <laughs> I think John has walked into through what he's talked about life experience, and and it knocks. We know that life knocks us around and shapes us, but it there's some integrity and and there is some humility, and there is something that you have that I think we all grow up into, which is courage, the courage of your convictions, which to Julian calling you out, you, you have become a decent person in spite of you yourself. Seem, you, seem, you seem like a... <laughs> but what yeah, happened? But how, Steve, how did you fall so How come so Steve, slow? who knows me for 30-odd years, does, isn't agreeing with you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I mean, no, and we, I, only have, we, we're not allowed to waffle around this. We only have 15 minutes to yeah. find out. Yeah. But you did you did back yourself into a place where you really are doing good things and it and what shows and what's sustainable is your belief in it because you and, stand and, up and you and people believe you and you, and that doesn't happen unless you're... no and but the, the, I think what the, the 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 payback that I get is the sharing actually because I have this kind of but that's decent too yeah every uh, answer you give not, is that decent. part I'm not denying but but you know when I go out and show these things whether it's for two two people or a thousand people you know. It, it it's it's not the, there's no there's no ego involved in it, it yeah, it's the, it. it's them having questions and getting turned on and and coming up to me and saying yeah. oh, I, I i mean the, be, the 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 highest compliment i can get from someone is i had no idea yeah and that right. happens to me right. on a daily basis yeah, you know yeah. i had no idea so right. if that's my yeah. role is just kind of Kicking filling in the these cracks of, of knowledge yeah. uh, on a, you know small person by person basis that's all i you not, know, we're not making you know three hundred million dollar feature films which reach you know massive audiences. We're making small, especially these days, small, unique, 
documentary films that that are kind of preaching to a not a choir but a, but a but a, a, a region. Basically. Yeah, I guess that's a, that that is a thing that I wonder about a little bit. I mean, I guess that's what I'm I'm being I'm messing around with it or whatever. But um, the idea, you know, because sincerity and decency and all those kind of things are, um, of course, are the end result of believing in what you're talking about and all those kind of things. But there's also a um, they also have a slightly, um, uh, you know, they fall into a, 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 there's a, there's a language that we're familiar with that we respond to, we respond to sincerity in a, in a certain way or whatever. So, but you know, who, you know, the, the good fortune that I have, uh, what impresses me on a daily basis are the people I meet in the course of this. And it's not audiences. It's the people, it's what I call the accidental environmentalists, these people who end up with a, you know, a, a, a natural gas pipeline yeah, yeah, in their yeah, backyard. Yeah. Oh, they're the best ones. And they become, you know, they, they could, I mean, we, we have a, an example in, in, in near to Indian Point, although she works on pipeline issues. I mean, she's a molecular uh, uh, scientist, a PhD, studies cancer, et cetera. She's not, you know, but all of a sudden her entire life has shifted to fighting environmental fights on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute yeah. basis. Because it was and, in her backyard? Yeah, because the pipeline was built next to her right. b- backyard. Uh, you know, they bought the house in the winter. Yeah. They didn't see what was going on, and no one told them. And she's got two young kids, and, you know, they've got people knocking on the door announcing, well, you know, there's going to be an explosion. Don't worry, there's going to be a planned explosion this day. I mean, that, that kind of thing. But I meet those people from across, uh, you know, across the country who, in Flint, Michigan, yeah, and, and, yeah. and Lois Gibbs, obviously, yeah. is at, 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 at yeah. Love Canal is the, is the yeah. poster woman poster for, for child. Them. Well, those and those people become, you know, like uh, Aaron Brockovich or whatever, you know, the, but, but part of that happens because you can see their warts. You know, something about the sincerity message well, there's, can there, sometimes... There's, yeah, it, there's something about becoming a victim where you politicize. And there's also something about becoming so lost in, in a problem that you have to go to politics for any sense of salvation. But then, but there's this other thing, and those people are easy to convert because they are threatened. Those people that John responds to that float his boat, the people that say, I didn't know. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that if you have not arranged for your tombstone yet, I want to carve I didn't know on it as your epitaph. Oh, we all um, want that. Because, no, it's appropriate that conversion that happens when you're not a victim means that you have really not only intellectually but morally come to understand an issue. And that's a lot harder to do than being in front of a victim. And so I can understand when when you get somebody up saying passion, I didn't know how that tells you that you've done a good job. I guess the question I have for you is, I mean, if I had a life as noble as, as this, I would wonder how having that little rock thrown at me over and over again would change who I am. Um, ennoble me or humiliate or humble me. No, how don't answer. That, don't answer for him. I, yeah. No, I'm just wondering that. about myself yeah. right now, which is what I do. But how how has that changed you? With, come on, come on. No, it just in, encur- encourages me. Yeah, encourages me yeah. to 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 do more yeah. because to me, when I look at at the the subject matter, and we'll call the subject matter, you know, environmental messes or environmental de- degradation, you know, the 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 scope is is massive. You know, I could tell these stories for, forever, and I I guess what I'm trying to to learn is how to tell them without, you know, being a, a, a only a doomsayer. You yeah, know, I yeah. think you have to tell them, but also 
you know, the reason we did the whole Hope on the Hudson series, which we looked at this uh, uh, Seeds of Hope issue, which was the planting of these Native American seeds, and we looked at the restoration of the Sloop Clearwater, you know, the Pete Seeger boat, which is a wooden boat and mm. needs to be massively overhauled every every few years. And then we looked at the 520 miles of waterways in and around New York City and how they're being... Uh, kind of cleaned up yeah uh, we we forget that when we think of cities on the water we think in the united states we think of i don't know seattle san francisco boston miami well, we don't think of new york you don't think of new york city yeah. but you know you have to take a bridge or a tunnel to get everywhere yeah you don't four feel the, like you're at the seaside do you? four when of the five there. boroughs are islands there's water yeah. everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. You know? new york's an but, archipelago yeah so but we, you know we we made those purposely to to kind of remind people that, that there's something valuable out there to protect because if you lose sight of that then so it's so it's putting up small stru- but it's, the undercurrent is obviously despair. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because it, just add sure, all the information sure. up and if it's you, despair. If you allowed yourself, you, you could live in despair. But who want you know? So you who put afford that. So you put little structures up on top of the the, the marsh of yeah, despair to kind of guide you away from right. from ultimate despair, right. ultimate collapse. I right, 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 right. Well, yeah, yeah mm. it, John is. Um, I mean, he's a real player in in the world of having his his body and his at times life in what he writes about. One of his best books uh, was The Birthplace of the Four Winds, which is the Bering Sea and some islands that you just don't want to go to ever. And he kayaked out to them and, and, and summited some mountains. And, and it was a terrifying book because... Uh, after reading it, I asked him what he thought of it all. He said, I'd get in the water, and my, my kayak partner and I would <laughs> say, paddle or die, or pa- something pa- to that Paddle effect. for your life. Paddle for your life. Motto, yeah. so, so, yeah. you, so you actually able to do all that. You're in that, like, crack hour end of things where you had the skills to be able to do the things yeah, that you were writing well, about. For, yeah, for a while, I had a, a good run at National. My, you know, my first assignment for National Geographic was in 1989, and I— documented a 3,741-mile dog sled expedition across and you, Antarctica. And you did it. Yeah. No, I was just there for part of it. I didn't do the entirety of it. But that led to a, a, a run with National Geographic where I was getting money from them, from their Expeditions Council funding, to do these kind of ambitious sea kayaking adventures every, basically every year for a decade. Right. And we went literally to every continent. And the one that Steve refers to is to the middle of the, the, the Aleutian Islands, which hang like a diamond necklace between Russia and Alaska. Super remote, big adventure. But even those stories were based on an environmental story. Oh, so it was always there. It was always there. But you, um, uh, we have a mutual friend, I think, Rob Howard. Oh, yeah. 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 I used to be his agent. Oh, okay. But no, he doesn't do that now. Now he does like kids jumping off rocks into war or whatever. But like. yeah, no, I, I've known Rob for for obviously for many years and since two thousand and two. I had a, I had a, for ten years. I traveled with the same photographer and uh, who was tragically died a, a couple of months before we were going to do a big expedition in Vietnam. Died on the job. No, he died on a reservoir, uh, in a cold reservoir near his home in Kernville, California. But uh, so two months out uh, before leaving for a sizable two-month-long sea kayak down the coast of Vietnam, and and we, it was a national. Oh, you did thing, that. And you needed, guys did that. Story we needed together. a photographer, oh, yeah. and so uh, and and I I loved Rob's work because I knew that we were going to be meeting ten in the Aleutian Island trip, which had preceded it. We saw no one right in two months. Oh, and in Vietnam we were going to see thousands see people. of people every day. And you liked his people. And Rob is such a great portrait 
Well, he's just a people person. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah like, but yeah. the, the yeah. defining photograph, and I kayaked the East River for a decade, and I went into a kayak store on the Hudson, and there was a large poster of these uh, nets uh, hanging above a river. And it was it's stunning, stunning. And I, I think maybe you took it, but it was your expedition. And I, and I didn't make the connection that this is my buddy, uh, John Powermaster. And then we started to talk about kayaking, and we shared maps of the South Seas and this and that. We never kayaked together, but... I always wanted to ask you this question, being a, an avid kayaker and, and also somebody that's, uh, that understands risk and, and measures it well. Why is it in New York City and the environments that have 8 million people and supposedly half of them men, that in an archipelago, which New York City is, in a place that attracts people that are risk takers, I mean, you come to New York to test yourself, right? that I never saw anybody out there. There was nobody on the water, which is, which was an unbelievable, as you know, test. The East River is a channel cut between the Long Island Sound and the Atlantic Ocean. And when it's running, so okay, why, when so, it, so why? Why, why are there, why, I could never figure out why yeah, that, it wasn't attractive that, to big, that mindset. big adventure, yeah. Yeah, it part was. Of, part of it, and we've been talking about a this a lot as spring arrives in, in, in up and down the Hudson River, uh, is excess. There's more excess now, though, down in the city, you know? Not really. I mean, it, it's hard to access the waterways yeah, there. Yeah, there was one place, Red Hook, where yeah. I could come and in. And, and, and even though there's been more and more In what kind of boat? In, a, in, in, in like kayak. a kayak or kayak, something? Yeah. There's all that stuff in Tribeca, and uh, that's not for real? Well, it is for real, but, I mean, if you want to... If you, I mean, if you are adventurous enough to, you know, position a boat at one of the at the Chelsea Piers and you know rent a storage oh, right. locker and right. you know right, but dragging right, your right, kayak right, right, across right, right, right. the, the and where you're going to store your kayak and your little yeah. apartment and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. No, that makes sense that yeah. it wouldn't be. But 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 it's up and down the Hudson River. I mean, there's not as much it, it, and it, and it's kind of related to access. We in mm. this city on the water film, we discovered obviously that there's lots and lots of new development on the river, but there's still limited access. And it's because even as people develop the river, they, they're scared of liability. Yeah. yeah. So they don't yeah, live in, in parks or buildings. They don't want to provide too much access because they don't want to be the conduit for the pers- first person who drowns in the... In the yeah. Hey, I heard, yeah, because they're bringing that steamship back from uh, Buffalo or whatever, yeah? and they're the gonna, the Columbia, and the, SS Columbia. Right, to be right in front of the Maritime Museum or whatever. And that there's some talk about refurbishing Kingston Point Park as being the place where it will dock. Yeah, well that, that's an exciting project. But what, what my favorite is that there, there, the negotiations continue for an orchestra barge. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would be positioned yeah, there right also on the Rondout, where it, I don't know how many piece orchestra, but like, where would that? Where would that? Uh, that Kingston Point in Park. In the Rondout, yeah, that same. That place. same little corner yeah. where the gas tanks are, or whatever. Yep, right, right up the Rondout Creek, which is the access point to the Hudson. There. Oh, actually, further up the creek or round at the point. Don't know exactly where it would live. I want to know. Yeah. My, well, I'm it, looking right down. Yeah, yeah. But, but the notion is you'd have a 30-piece orchestra playing on this barge. It's got a kind of a half-shell dome that comes out Who's over Who's pushing it. that? Uh, Peter Wexler, who you may know. who huh. if, if you, you, I know you know the Rondout. Yeah. He, he lives in, a, in an old church there. On oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. He's wow. driving it, and they're trying to get Bard College to. Man, it's nice. All these things that are coalescing from different angles or whatever. There's yeah. a lot going on in that town. Well, in that town, and and to be quite honest, you know, I I see and, and cross the the Hudson River every, every day, 
And there's a, you know, you guys are a little further away, but there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, we don't know anything. There's we're a we're lot up here. going on. We're like, like chewing grass, and uh, uh, we have no idea what's going on. Come visit. I'm, uh, I'm, st- I'm just still not satisfied with the access answer to why uh, more people didn't get out there. Because access, lack of access generally for people that have a spirit. No, we've adventure. done that. You can't have a no, kayak, no, I can't have a kayak in, your, in your apartment. I might never see John again. Anyway, this is, this is a mystery to me. And if anybody out there can help me understand, because it is lack of access that uh, draws that draws risk-takers to an adventure. Well, you, were, and you were the one kayaking out there. Why do you think? It's not exotic enough, it is was, it? It was unbelievable, the things that I saw and did out there that I can't like what? believe. Like what? Uh, what did well, you see and there's, there's a, number one, a three-headed dog underneath the piers where there's an eight-knot current oh. ripping it around. Um, the infrastructure of New York City at low tide yeah, be great. that you can see be amazing. going up the Gowanus oh, we should and watching, do it. Why every don't we do pro- it? watching every prophylactic in Brooklyn come yeah, floating totally. by you. Totally. These were... <laughs> these hey, were, I would do it. Why don't we do it? Why don't we uh, put but a kayak? Let me, tell you, let me tell you this. Okay, this is what... This is, th- these were the things that I saw in August in the New York Harbor paddling down to the Verrazano in my 14-foot klepper Coming back, there's a seawall that, that goes the <laughs> entire way fetish. up. A wall of weather coming over New Jersey Amazing. towards me. Amazing. And there are three levels of water that I would describe. There's happy, slappy, and crappy. When it's crappy, it's just unnegotiable. And the New York Basin was happy. And in four minutes, it went to slappy, which is where the water is getting blown off the, the waves. And then it went to crappy. And all I had was the seawall that I was getting quickly pushed against and knowing that if I hit it, I would basically drown ultimately because this was one of those forced no way, tense no way forms. And it became dark, and it became blowing impossibly. And um, I hunkered down, and I put my nose into it and felt myself every minute another three meters. And, and I had about 10 meters before I hit this wall. And I couldn't accept the fact that was going to happen. And then I looked up in a sudden silence. And 40 feet up in the air, there was a little light. And there was a silhouette of a little man looking down at me. And I thought, I've died. And this is God that's calling me up. And he's putting his fingers to his eyes. And he's pointing and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I, and I stopped paddling because I don't have to. And I look at him. And he puts his hand down and he says like take strength and then he points his finger and this is a guy in a in a tugboat right it's one of those huge tugboats that had seen me and he knew that I was going to die and he diverted to come and stop the wind and he shepherded me uh. up to my put-in point and honked his horn twice and I spun off and I have tried every year. I call the union. I call the tugboat union, and I tell them the story, and I say, find that person. I need to thank that person. Those are the sorts of adventures that would happen, and, as they and, always and happen. where was that adventure? In Red Hook, Brooklyn. And that was hey, Red Hook, ultimately Red Hook. I'd Red love Brooklyn. to go and put a kayak in around there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a well, great day. This, is, uh, this has been a little bit of magic with, uh, with John Bowermaster and uh, Julian always. And thank you for being with the Evening Tickler. And come back next week. I can assure hey, you, you, after tonight, you will be disappointed next week. Le soleil est rare.
Et le bonheur aussi, l'amour s'égaroulant de la vie. Le soleil est rare, et le bonheur aussi, et tout bouge au bras de mélodie. Les murs d'enceinte du labyrinthe s'en trouvent au sud. Un fil 